Welcome to a new episode of the Twins Who Podcast, recording on April 20th at night. I'm your host, Adnan Natani, and as always, I'm joined by my better half, my twin brother, Adele Natani. Adele, hello. Excited to be here. It's been a long time, man. It's been a while. It's been a, almost a year. The last podcast we did is when uh, Paul, George, and Kawhi joined the Clippers, and then you and I got very busy. For our listeners, we both work full-time. Uh, we don't just make podcasts. And uh, Adnan has a, uh, a little almost three-year-old, which is keeping him even busier while he's working from home. Exactly. And shout-out to everyone on our official Instagram page, at Twins Hoop. Um, on Facebook as well, also at Twins Hoop on Twitter, who've been reaching out to us. You can get this podcast. Please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your fa- favorite uh, podcasts, and keep the feedback and questions coming. Um, Adele, what are we talking about today? You know, there was something that happened last night that had NBA Twitter buzzing, and it was the last was dance. <laughs> It was uh, so awesome to be on Twitter last night and just see all the reactions. Um, NBA fans are starved for content right now. And that's why we wanted to put this podcast together because we want to we react to The Last Dance, Michael Jordan 10-part documentary, part one and two happened last night. Um, and to do that, we've got a very special guest, uh, Akil Manny on the line. Akil, hello. How's it going, guys? I'm happy to be here. Really excited to speak with you. Um, we'd love it if you could introduce to all the fans a little bit about your pe- basketball pedigree. So tell us, you know, when you fell in love, who, you know, who's your favorite players and who are you keeping up with now? Um, absolutely, guys. Um, so I've actually played basketball pretty much my whole life, I'd say. Uh, I came to America in the late 90s, so around 1998. My parents were huge basketball fans because they had actually been living in the States during that time. So when we got to, um, we moved to New York, actually, and picked it up there. We just had like a, a little trash can in our backyard that me and my brother would just pretend mm-hmm. shooting into. And then once we moved to Florida, dude, it's just like there was a basketball court across the street, played every single day pretty much with our friends. So it's just been one of those things that's like a pastime for us. And um, favorite players, obviously, if we're going to talk about it. It's got to be <laughs> Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. right? And um, LeBron James, uh Kobe Bryant, got to throw him in the mix. Allen Iverson, just just pretty much anyone from those 90s to like 2000s era, I would say is just a, a favorite. So, Akil, you mentioned that um, you came from India. Your, your parents were big basketball fans, and you came to New York. I got two questions. One, where in New York did you go to? So, when we moved, I was actually living in Queens, just like every other Indian person. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's where... Uh, that's where we uh, we went to. We we were born in India, and uh, we ended up at Jackson Jackson Heights. Yeah, dude, I I would think we were near Jamaica we Queens, so like more like near Fifty Cent. I'd say I think we were neighbors. And then <laughs> then you were saying that your parents were basketball fans. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I was actually I was born in India as well, and my parents came to the states uh, a year after I was born. So I lived in India with my dad's side of the family. And uh, my parents were actually living in New Jersey. So during that time, it was obviously the 90s. And the the entire sports world was kind of taken over by Michael Jordan and the Bulls. So my parents came to America without knowing anything about basketball. And within that six-year period that they were here and I was in India, they just, I guess, became Michael Jordan and Bulls yeah. fans. So when we came to America, my brother and I, that was just like, what we watched you know it was just they knew about michael jordan like i didn't know my parents knew like how to pronounce these <laughs> names and they'd be like oh shaquille o'neal like this and that and i was like who are these people <laughs> so what is your earliest memory of you know when you really started getting into um following the bulls and michael jordan or hearing about it and, and loving the game dude so the first real memory that i have was that 1999 season there was a lockout i think it was like there were had um it was a shorter season i believe it was like 50 games or something because they were discussing a new player agreement and i remember that season sitting down and watching like almost every knicks game with my family because the bulls obviously sucked during those times because we had elton brand that year or that might have been his rookie year going into it so i was always just like why were they such big bulls fans because this team sucks (laughs) 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 what am i missing here 
but you know i kind of like stuck with it like during that time my brother became like a lakers fan because they had kobe and Shaq, and like that was his thing but i was just like you know what i'm gonna stick with it i kind of liked the bulls just because they had like that grittiness to it and i knew like they had this dynasty and i remember going through like that elton brand and um that era and until we kind of developed in the early 2000s with um scott skiles and we got ben gordon and uh, Heinrich. Heinrich, well dane that that was when i was like first became like okay like this is my team this is what i'm gonna identify as like my true team so i think that was when i became like a true bulls fan because that was just like that gritty tough yeah. defense and like I identified with Ben Gordon because he was just this short dude. I was like, he's just balling out. <laughs> I think I think you're saying Ben Gordon's name wrong. It's actually Ben Jordan. I don't know if you guys know no. that. Oh yeah. <laughs> when uh, when Adnan and I were talking about doing this podcast, I was like, man, there's there's so few people left in the world that are still Bulls fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys could find one that's still a Bulls fan, right? <laughs> so. Um, Akil, you know, obviously the documentary last night, that's what kind of prompted us to, to get on here and would love to dive into what your initial reactions were on both the episodes. And, um, you know, Adnan, I know he has a lot of thoughts, so mm-hmm. let's let's get into it. Akil, what were your initial reactions? I mean, initially, I thought it was just it was fantastic. I mean, there's just been no sports. There's nothing going on. So just the fact that there's something that I can actually sit down at a specific time and know that it's like about sports and about a team that I pers- like identify with. It was just fantastic. I thought the production was phenomenal. The quality of the video and the editing was great. Um, and even the way they kind of, I thought it was going to be a lot more highlighting just that 1998 season as a whole, but I love the way they kind of go back and forth and kind of set up these narratives of in the first um, episode, mainly about Michael Jordan, the second kind of like highlighting Scottie Pippen's like growth and like his kind of struggles with the team and kind of laying that foundation of everything that leads up to that 1998 season, you know, like that was just phenomenal. Like them yeah. just going so in depth into things. Yeah. Um, you, you kind of mentioned the back and forth. I loved how they, you know, really broke it down because there's so much that goes into not just the Bulls last season and how they got there, but Michael Jordan, of course, you know, what's defined him from his childhood, you know, his brothers, you know, UNC. Um, hearing uh, the coaches talk about him was awesome. It was, it, was un- <laughs> it was unfiltered. It was like some of the best quotes of the night. So, yeah, I echo that as well. The, the back and forth, they did that excellent. Yeah. It, was, it was excellent. Yeah, I just want to address some of the earlier stuff. This is not jumping in. I just want to address some of the earlier stuff. Like, I think so many fans are so accustomed to seeing footage from the years 1991 to 1998 with Michael Jordan that yeah. we, we really didn't pay a lot of attention as fans or maybe didn't have a lot of access to content around, like, high school, college, and, like, 80, 85 to 1990 Michael Jordan. I think, like... Maybe like 88, 89, 90, yes. But we got, you know, fre- we got freshman year. You know, we got that varsity uh, getting cut out of the varsity program in high school story, which um, I don't know if you guys remember when Michael Jordan went to the Hall of Fame, he invited the player that got ahead of him. And he invited <laughs> him to kind of just remind everyone, like, I'm fucking Michael Jordan. So, uh, which I think is peak psycho um, in, a, in a positive way. But, um, you know, hearing from Dean Smith, for example, um, who's who's passed away now, but hearing from Dean Smith and and hearing from uh, you know their other coaches about how he was in college from James Worthy, who was the number one pick um, in the NBA draft a year or two before Michael Jordan, you know it was really cool to see those early year footage and how he conducted himself. And um, you know the USC coach said, if you want to be the best ever, you need to work harder than everyone else. And I, I can't help but think that was forced into MJ at that age, you know, an 18 year old freshman. And that's why he was the player he was, you know, he was able to outwork everyone. And we got this great footage of an all NBA player in 1985, his rookie year, you know, averaging mm-hmm. 28, four and five or something like that. And really just dominating. And you think like, if there was a player that came along and did that today, it'd be a little bit inflated because of the, the uh, pace and space, but it would just be unreal. It would be even bigger than what LeBron did his rookie year. Right. It would, it would be, uh, huge. So 
I just thought it was awesome to see a lot of the early um, footage and then lead into the 91 finals, you know, beating Magic at his prime and the Lakers. Um, I just thought it was incredible. Yeah, um, you know, to echo your point there, going into seeing that early footage, I mean, we think so much about the Bulls from 91 to, to 97, 98, but seeing him in his rookie year and then seeing him against the Celtics, um, you know, in on this date, all those years ago, is when he put up 63 points uh, against the Celtics. Um, and, and you know, unfortunately, they lost both those games where he had those uh, playoff career highs, but it, it was amazing to watch him go against Larry Bird, Danny Ainge, Dennis Johnson, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and just dominate the way that he did. Yeah, and I completely agree. I, I think there was a point during that documentary where he mentioned how when he first came into the NBA, he was kind of waiting for that opportunity to take the leadership role on the team. And I think, like he said, by the third game of his yeah. rookie year, he's like, that's when I knew it happened. I was like, yeah, what is he talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, uh... and he just like went off. I think they were like down by, was it the fourth quarter? He just went off and brought them back to win that game. And that's when everyone kind of knew it's like, okay, this guy's taking over the leadership of this team. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got a um, just a quick pivot around Michael Jordan. I mean, I think it came out before the documentary. Michael Jordan. Said I see what you did there. He, <laughs> people are going to think he's a jerk, um, and, and we kind of saw a little bit of that with Jerry Krause. Now we don't know what actually happened with between them. We're only going off of uh, more of Michael's side of than and um, mm-hmm. you know, I a part of me feels kind of bad for Jerry Krause, but it's a very small part of me because, you know, I think Jordan maybe was a jerk and Pippen definitely was, but they definitely had a right to be. I mean, you got to pay those two players, first of all. And secondly, like him saying players don't win titles, organizations do. Um, and then came by and said organizations do, you know, players don't win it alone. Uh, it's still kind of a, an idiotic thing to say. You've got the greatest player probably ever and the best number two option ever and one of the greatest rebounders ever. And, you know, you want the credit. It's, it's, it's a bit like what happens when you when a person gets too much power. They become a little bit of a narcissist. And when you have that little person syndrome of, you know, you've been picked on a lot, you've been, you know, you were um, bullied a lot, you didn't have a lot of money growing up, like what they said in the documentary. I think when he got that power, it definitely got to his head a little bit, right? And he said, now that I have this power, let me wield it. Like, let me just move these pieces in and out, and we can still win these titles. I definitely got, like, Dan Gilbert vibes when I was listening to the story about Jerry Krause. Uh, and I know Dan Gilbert's an owner, but just, like, this very, like, this is my team. I can do what I want. I'm on a power trip. But in, yeah. in today's – and we've seen it with Dan Gilbert and other owners and GMs. In today's NBA, like, that wouldn't have, have flown. The idea of Scottie Pippen not getting – the money that he was, you know, due and, and signed that contract or the fact that Jerry Krause limited Michael Jordan to 14 minutes a game. Exactly. Um, and even when it came down to, to winning a game, um, the coach had to pull Michael Jordan because the coach was worried about his job. So that would not happen today. Um, but you still see, you know, GMs, like I think of like David Kahn from the Timberwolves. He used to be the GM. And I think of, um, owners as well who have this power trip ego that Jerry Krause definitely uh, exhibited. Yeah. And I think as like a Bulls fan, I still have to kind of give him a lot of credit for putting that team together. You know, he made a lot of those initial moves, moving Charles Oakley, obviously to get Bill Cartwright and just putting and laying that foundation. So I, at the end of the day, a lot of that team that dominated throughout the nineties, wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for him. So I have to give him the credit for doing that. But you're right, completely. It's just, I think, doing that groundwork and not getting the credit and all of this fame and fortune, whatever, going to Michael Jordan and these other players, I'm sure whatever it was that got to him kind of led him to just make some terrible decisions down the road. Yeah. But completely speaking, agree with you guys on that. Speaking of terrible decisions, um, how about Scottie Pippen choosing to sign a seven-year, $18 million deal uh, right before, you know, he, he won his first title, basically, um, and played for through the entire Bulls uh, run on, you know, making a few million dollars a year, which is great for anyone in the country, and, and especially at that time. But 
Um, you know, he definitely could have made a lot more. And, and, and I think people need to people forget Scotty ended up making over 100 million in his career mm-hmm. after he left the Bulls. He made 11, 15 million a year for a couple of years with the Rockets, the Blazers. And then he came back to the Bulls and the lowest he got paid was about six million yeah. or five million. So mm-hmm. um, he ended up doing all right. But, you know, I just think if there was a, a poor move on his part. Uh, he did get taken care of later, but I mean, it just goes to show you that the contracts were weird back then. I mean, they were so strange. Michael Jordan didn't make more than what 15 million until his last two years uh, for the Bulls, uh, mm-hmm. where he made 30 million each. Well, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the 122nd highest played player in the league. Um, I think I saw today online that that would be the equivalent to um. Andre Ro- Andre, Robertson. Andre Robertson. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, let me ask you a question, Adnan and Akil. Where would you rank Scottie Pippen, well, let's say in the 90s? Where would you rank him um, And you know, any position? Yeah. Okay, I'll let you answer that. So I was actually thinking about this today, kind of based on this discussion, and I would definitely have to put him within the top 20 of the that era, right? Like, he was a great two-way player. I think he was, like, eight-time first-team all-defense. Just, he was a, he was the best second player to Michael Jordan. But if he was on any other team, he would have probably been the star player on that team. Yeah. Now, uh, wait, but before I go into it, Adnan, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think it's a bit difficult. Like, I'm going to go a different route here instead of saying where he ranked then. I'm going to, I'm going to, put I'm, I want another question and I'm going to try to answer it and I'd love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. um, where would Scotty Pippen rank today peak Scotty Pippen in today's NBA so you pluck him out of the 1997 season or whatever and you put him in 2020 okay um, where does he rank amongst the NBA greats uh, regardless of who's on this team you just take a look at, at Pippen um, and I think in today's NBA, he would be a point guard. He'd be a power forward. He'd, he'd be like, you know, I almost want to compare him to Giannis. Uh, obviously, Giannis Ooh. is more of a freak than he is. Um, I, I, and then, and then, I, then I'm like, okay, maybe his ceiling is something like that. But his floor is maybe like prime Lamar Odom, right? But, you know, in today's – actually, in today's NBA, who am I thinking of? Maybe prime like – Zingas. Uh, no, he's a bit, a bit, maybe not presenting, maybe like someone like, like Luca or something where like, he's got the athleticism and the, and the skill. Maybe, you know, Pippen wasn't as good of a shooter. I can't quite figure out where he fits in today's NBA. Like, that's think what I, I think so, so if he was in today's NBA, you got to say like, okay, like all these nineties players would have focused a lot more on their jump shot. You know, the nineties were all about right. the, the, you know, throwing it into the post, uh, and slowing the game down. So I look at, uh, comps and I think of, LeBron's athleticism, you know, LeBron's peak defense, Kawhi's peak defense. Kawhi, there it is. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's Kawhi. If you look at Kawhi's peak defense, which he's he's been exhibiting for the last couple of years, and you look at Scottie Pippen locking down Magic Johnson in the finals. Yeah, I think that's the. Answer. I mean, that's that. I mean, I remember 2014, a 21 year old Kawhi locking up KD. And then so, going up and locking up uh, LeBron James and, and D. So you're saying Scottie Pippen would be a top five player in the NBA today, then? If you're saying Kawhi, you're saying he's a top five player. <sighs> I mean, that, 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 that's a comp, but you, you got to think, like, like, would he be better than KD, uh, LeBron, no. No. Uh, Giannis, uh, James Harden? I mean, you look at James Harden, modern, modern day Allen Iverson, we can talk about that later, but, uh, you know, James Harden, prol- <laughs> prolific scorer. You know, uh, how about this? You put Russell Westbrook in the '90s. How many points does he go for? You know, Judd. I mean, he he fits perfectly. Yeah. In, in the, so so I think I think just yeah. kind of going back, you know, in today's game, I would, I would say top ten, but in the '90s, it was a center's game. I mean, you had Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewan, David Robinson, Dikembe Mutombo. Um, and then you had the guards, obviously Michael Jordan. Are you just going to forget about Hakeem? Yeah. Just not <laughs> no, my Hakeem? bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shaq, so, Shaq. But, but that's my point. Was he a top 10 player in the 90s? No, I don't think, I don't think he was a top 10 in, in the 90s. But I think he's a top 10 in today's game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
it's 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 a tough one. I mean, he he has all the skills, and we didn't we didn't get to see how he was on his own in his prime and en- enough, which kind of brings you to that those two seasons, um, ninety four and ninety five. If uh, if if Michael Jordan had stayed, I know Adnan, you were talking about that, you know, uh, before we got on this call, but yeah, yeah, like I, I'm I'm more of the mindset. I don't know if we should talk about this now or when this comes up in the documentary, but but I really like this idea of, you know, the story with Jordan is 6-0 and in the finals. He would have gone to eight straight finals if he didn't retire. He would have won eight titles, right? That's kind of the story. And I almost think, like, what if he didn't and they didn't make the finals or they lost in the finals? So let's say they lost in two finals, 6-2 and two record, or he didn't make the finals but still won six titles in those two years. That it, it, they still won six titles across eight years, and he played all eight years. Would that damage his legacy? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, would it? Would there still be a question of shit? Maybe Kareem is the greatest of all oh, time, yeah. or maybe LeBron is the greatest of all time. Right? Like, I just think that there is an argument there that him actually leaving those two years really fucking helped Michael Jordan's legacy. Yeah, I, uh, Akil, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I kind of agree with you on that, just because kind of in your head thinking of a player going to six finals and winning all six becoming the MVP of the finals all six times that kind of just puts in your head it's like okay this guy was just unbeatable if he's going to be in the season he's going to the finals he's going to win so if he was there and that didn't happen obviously that's going to be like an asterisk you're going to be like, okay maybe he wasn't the greatest maybe if he made it to the finals he could be beaten yeah yeah, yeah i I, I know you bring up a point that I haven't really thought about, but you think about Kareem, you think about Magic and, and Jordan, you know, most those three are in everybody's top five. You know, it, would Jordan be above Kareem and Magic if he had lost one or two um, or didn't go to the finals, you know, six straight times, maybe he went six out of eight. That, that's that's a, a great point. And I don't know if we'd ever know for sure, but we definitely know how, the response has been to LeBron's greatness, right? He's lost in the finals. Uh, he hasn't gone to the finals certain years, but um... can we just say, I for one am really annoyed that people are choosing like sides between LeBron and Jordan, right? And like they're saying, oh, what if LeBron did his documentary? What if LeBron said, oh, I, re- I released it when so and so won the title in the future or something? You know, um, I just think that. You can love Michael Jordan and love LeBron James and still want them both. Like, you still want LeBron to win, and you can still love Michael Jordan's legacy and love The Last Dance. Uh, And I really don't understand people who are, like, on two different sides here. Do either of you kind of feel the same way or maybe differently? Maybe you're like, you know, fuck LeBron. I'm a Jordan fan. (laughs) Where where are you guys at? I'll I'll, I'll let you take that one, man. No, I'm definitely in the fuck LeBron group. No! (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Dude, obviously, I respect LeBron a lot, and I hope he goes on to win another championship. And if he does... You know, he might be considered the greatest of all time, winning three championships with three different teams. It's mm-hmm. something I don't know if anyone's done that before. But at the end of the day, I agree. It's it's different eras. It's different styles of basketball. They're two complete different players. You can't even compare. And I think you have to respect the player for what he's doing right now. And LeBron is the GOAT of the NBA right now. You have to give him that respect. And I don't, I don't necessarily think, like, me being a Bulls fan, I'm going to hope that he doesn't win anymore to kind of tarnish Michael Jordan's legacy or anything like that. I think you have to give that respect where it's due to LeBron have to give that right now. Yeah. Uh, As a basketball fan, you know, I want to see LeBron, you know, in the finals and Mm -hmm. competing for that goat status as a Lakers fan, LeBron is, is, is approaching the greatest of all time. Uh, But as as a basketball (laughs) fan, it also, um, you could plug you know, Michael into this era and you could plug Jordan and uh, LeBron James into that era in the nineties, eighties and nineties. Oh my God. Now, if you plug <laughs> Michael Jordan into this era, we've seen it, you know, you see Kawhi, you see Kobe, they have the, the Jordan moves, you know, the mid range jumper, things like that. You plug LeBron into the eighties and nineties. He's eaten. He's, it's, oh it's, it's barbecue chicken alert. Well, I don't know. Well, he's definitely eating, but he's also guarding Charles Barkley and David Robinson and all those players. But 
He's, 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 yeah, that's a good, he definitely would. But I want to know something. How many times during the documentary did you catch yourself being like, fuck, it reminds me of Kobe. Oh, Wait, yeah. no, Kobe got it from Jordan. Like, was it just me? I was, I was hoping that, that we wouldn't even have to say his name, man. It was so hard. Yeah. I, I, I thought about Kobe so much last night. I mean, just, just, just watching those moves and uh, the way he talked and everything. Just Kobe wanted to be Jordan so bad, he mimicked literally everything about him. And, uh, yeah, I found myself thinking about Kobe. I'm not sure if that's just because we're, you know, we're huge fans of his, but, Akil, what do you think? No, I think there was, um, there was one move during those college highlights where he kind of did this spin move fadeaway, and I was like, oh, my goodness. For a second, I thought that was Kobe. <laughs> and it was just like, it's crazy how much they mirrored, like, or Kobe kind of mirrored his game to Michael. You know, like, he strived for that greatness. And yeah. even the discussion where um, during his rookie season when he was injured, I think they were talking about taking one pill that might kill you out of nine or ten. <laughs> and I was like, that's such a Kobe statement. Like, depends yes. on how bad that yeah. is. You know, um, Kobe is going to be in this documentary mm-hmm. at some point. He was in the trailer. Um, when he is, I'm definitely going to have a breakdown. But I think um, – it's really tough to talk about, you know, Kobe's legacy without talking about Michael Jordan. And I think for fans who were probably in their like thirties or late twenties and thirties, I think they're more, you know, they, they grew up with kind of Kobe defining like winning basketball. And I think for those people, it was pretty interesting to see, you know, Michael Jordan, even, uh, you know, I have a cousin who, um, shout out to Ursha. He was born in 2000, right? right? And after jo- after Jordan retired, and um, we'll have him on, him on the pod next week. But you know, he he was a huge Kobe fan, and just I know watching Michael Jordan for a lot of people who've never saw him play, this documentary was just um, you know un- an unbelievable view into what it was like during you know those dynasty years. Um, I do want to turn it. I, I do want to turn it to. Um, a couple of things that happened in the documentary. And um, I really loved when Obama showed up and Bill Clinton showed up and under Obama, it said former Chicago resident (laughs) (laughs) and underneath Bill Clinton, it said like former Arkansas governor to tie it to Scotty Pittman, who was from Arkansas. (laughs) Uh, When Obama came up, uh, did you guys have a little bit of a a gasp just like I did? Yeah. I was like, Whoa, this is, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely nudged my girlfriend because she was sitting next to me. I was like, oh, my God, Obama's this <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, – I just want to touch on the teams that – they didn't spend a lot of time just on the documentary, mm-hmm. so I want to touch on this. The three teams that he beat between 91 and 93, let's focus on the first three titles. It was the Lakers, mm-hmm. the Blazers, and the Suns. And let's start with that Lakers team. Um you know, you got to look at it at the time. What would what would that be comparable to today? Like, let's say if something like that happened today, how what would be something comparable to that? Oh, I, I mean, I would say uh, compared to the the Warriors from a couple of years ago. I mean, the Lakers had had so much star power. Um, I'm not sure by '91 if they still had. Um, they had a, yeah, I think they still had James Worthy, right? So they had James Worthy, Magic Johnson, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I would compare them. No, they did not have. No, they, did not have, they had not James That's right. That's right. They had James Worthy, Magic Johnson. I mean, I would compare it to the Warriors. They had so much star power, Showtime, like mm-hmm. the the run, the run and gun. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking of that Warriors team, kind of. Um, I think you can kind of compare the Warriors almost to like the Bulls because you know they're coming in as that first team, the '91 series. They're coming against this dominant Lakers who have their showtime. They've been running the scene. And then you have this young team, the Bulls. You can kind of compare when the Warriors kind of started that dynasty and were beating – who was it? Who did they beat the first year? Was it the – was it LeBron? Yeah. So you can kind of compare just this young team that's on the cusp of greatness and they finally overcome. They kind of defeat this Goliath in LeBron James to kind of take that title and they go on their dynasty run. You know, it's just – it's very comparable in that way, I think. Yeah. I, yeah, I would agree. I think it would have been like if, if LeBron's first mm-hmm. title, remember when he um, had 25 straight points or 28 straight points to beat the Pistons? Yep. 
in that one game, and then he went to the finals and got swept. I think had he had they beat that team, it would have been something comparable mm-hmm. to that. Like really, really earth shattering, right? I mean, you you just beat Magic, yeah. right? And, and James Worthy, and um, that was the last time the Lakers uh, made the finals until um, the year two thousand. But that was the end of their dynasty. Uh, Magic Johnson announced later that summer that he uh, was HIV positive and, you know, the kind of the ball fell from there. I just want to do another what if that what if that's not tied to Michael Jordan, but that's tied to Kobe Bryant. Um, (laughs) Kobe Bryant was a rookie in the year 1996. Magic Johnson came back as a 6'9", like power forward point guard, like ripped. Okay, he was, you know, like 250 playing point guard and he ended up just deciding not to come back. Had he came back, he would have played with Kobe his rookie year. They were only one year apart. Wait, I didn't know that. Magic decided to make a comeback. Um, what does that look like if Magic and Kobe had maybe played a year or two together? I I had no idea yeah. that, that was even a possibility. Is this a what if or is this like did this was he actually red? <laughs> I'm like confused. No, Magic Johnson came back and he played the ninety five season. What? That's yeah, see I completely missed that, man. I, yeah, they I, lost, I think they lost in the first round to the Rockets, um, and they even finished it fourth in the West that year. So, so ninety five, ninety six season, and then he decided to walk away for good. This is why we need uh, uh, older people to uh, on the pod to help us out here. So the the uh, my initial reaction is I wonder how different Kobe would have been with someone as supportive and encouraging as Magic Johnson in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give you another what if to that. Let's add on to that one player that you neither of you have mentioned is Shaq came on that year as well. Mm-hmm. So you would have had Magic, Kobe, and Shaq. Magic was 36. Yeah, he was old. But LeBron's 36 right now. You know, you could have had Magic, Kobe, and Shaq on the same team. Guys, no, not enough people are talk, like talk about this what if. One year. That's it. I'm I'm speechless. I, I I don't know what would have happened. Who was who was who was the Lakers starting point guard in 1996? Do we know? Nick Van Exel. I'm gonna say either Nick Van Exel or like Derek Fisher or something like that. Yeah, I think I'm still in shock yeah. that he came back. I did not know this. He came back, so he 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 left in '91, mm-hmm. came back for the '92 All Star game, and then left. Because a lot of players were protesting mm-hmm. that, like, you know, he, we don't, they didn't know enough about HIV. They thought mm-hmm. it was transmit, transmissible through, like, saliva and so okay. on. And, um, you know, when they learned more about HIV, the NBA really welcomed him back with open arms. And, yeah, he played a full, almost a full season. Um, he came off the bench his first game. And it's really an incredible story that does, and he was jacked. And I encourage everyone to look at 1995 96 Magic Johnson highlights. I, uh, I think it would have been so cool to see him, Kobe, and Shaq, at least just for one year. I mean, I go back and I think about, um, like, like Kobe had to go through a lot of failure to become who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, that Shaq and Kobe rift had to happen for them to, to really succeed on the court. You know, they both needed that chaos. But Magic Johnson, the talent that he was and how encouraging and supportive he was, I just feel like he would have brought everyone together earlier. And he would have just... I mean, that's championships. That's championships uh, multiple earlier written all over it. Maybe. Man, that's you that's know. crazy. I know. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I thought you were just here for uh, alternate, uh, alternate universe. <laughs> for pivoting. Look, in another universe, Kobe, Shaq, and Magic Johnson win 60 games in 1996, 97. And um, Beat the Spurs. They go, to the, they go to the finals to play the Bulls, to play Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And Jordan never wins his, his uh, fourth title in his comeback year. Or his fifth title, sorry. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a WTF moment. That was crazy. Um, let's talk about a, uh, another what if that came up. It was on Twitter a little bit. Um, Trace McGrady came out and said, I think he said this in 2016, but this clip resurfaced that in the 97-98 season, just before the season, uh, maybe around the draft or something like that. Uh, Jerry Krause is trying to trade Scottie Pippen for Tracy McGrady uh, to um, to the Raptors, and then Tracy McGrady to go to the Bulls. Um, I saw a picture of of, of uh, you know 
the flu game of Jordan in the arms of Tracy McGrady instead of Scott <laughs> for a loop. I thought that was really cool. Oh, um, I don't think I don't think they win a title without Pippen in ninety in that last year, and I think it would have been a terrible trade for if you're trying to win mm-hmm. a title. But probably a good trade if, if Jordan sticks around and you're trying to rebuild. So one, what do we think of the Tracy McGrady, um, you know, potential there? And then second, I'd love to get into what Jordan was saying about rebuilding. There's so many of these like what if with Tracy McGrady and like all these rumors that have come out since he's retired, how, you know, uh, K- him and KG almost played together. Him and Kobe almost played together. Him and Tim Duncan almost played together. And it's, you know, obviously people saw that he had this raw talent, but they wouldn't have won the championship without Scottie Pippen. You would have had a pissed off Jordan, pissed off locker room, pissed off Phil Jackson. But I would think that if you did have Tracy McGrady, you know, would Phil Jackson have, um, you know, w- would Jerry Krause have let Phil Jackson go? Would Phil Jackson have wanted to stay with such a talent like T-Mac? Uh, would Jordan have wanted to stay? Things like that. Yeah, that's a good point. But you got to you gotta think, and, and okay, I'll let you go in a second, but T-Mac wasn't T-Mac for like six years after he got drafted. Yeah, but he also had Vince Carter. Like, that that was at that was at a time where there was like one alpha. This whole like two superstars. It was not, it wasn't a thing, unless you were a center, okay, what do you think? a center and a guard. Um, yeah. I mean, I I agree. They definitely wouldn't probably would not have won the championship that year. It's just I don't think T Mac was up to the caliber of Scottie Pippen at the time. But what I'm thinking is how good T Mac probably could have been if he was under the tutelage mm-hmm. of Michael Jordan. I think one of the knocks yes. was T-Mac was never that player that was just like that killer instinct, put his 100% whole heart into it. But I think if he had someone like a Michael Jordan grooming him, I think T-Mac would have been insane. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, yeah, yeah you're right. That's his biggest knock, mm-hmm. like the killer instinct and yeah. the work ethic. You're absolutely right. Um, One thing to bring up the other point around this is, we found out in the documentary, I didn't know this, um, but we found out in the documentary that Jordan was open to rebuilding as long as they kept Phil. Um, I thought that was crazy because there's a universe, Adele, <laughs> where uh, Michael Jordan sticks around and, and Pippen leaves and Phil sticks around and Jordan sticks around. And even if Pippen does, but they definitely don't win the finals. Uh, or maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But again, that's the legacy thing. But then we see this rebuilding thing where, you know, they don't have Pippen because I think he really didn't want to leave. Um, and you have a rebuilding Michael Jordan, right? So it's like Kobe's last few years with the Lakers or LeBron last year with the Lakers. Um, uh, probably a lot of other teams, but I just, I, I'm only, Kobe and Jordan and LeBron are on my mind. Um, I think it would have been really cool to see like old man Jordan mentoring people and like a lot more stories coming out about, hey, like, Michael Jordan slapped Kirk Heinrich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or like Michael Jordan like punched Eddie Curry in the face. You know, like well, we, we, we got a glimpse of it in last night's documentary when Pippen was injured and the practice where Michael Jordan is yelling at Harper, Ron Harper. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. It, it's very similar to when Kobe in, in twenty, you know, thirteen uh, when Nick, him and Nick Young are going at it, and then the stories that come out of him elbowing um, different players, you know, punching them, whatever it may be. But we got a glimpse of it with Michael Jordan of, of what that would have looked like, him being a mentor. And uh, it wouldn't have been as nice. I mean, we we saw how he treated uh, Kwame Brown, uh, you know, very <laughs> similar to how Kobe treated Bush Parker. I don't, I don't think we would have got a lot of pleasant stories out of it. Yeah. So I, I had a... I had something I thought about with the documentary. I just wanted to bring it up when, so after the draft and uh, they showed a couple of players talking about Michael Jordan. And one of them was Walt Frazier. And he said, he's not seven foot, so he can't lead a team. And I thought that was crazy because so, so two things. One is, you know, Hakeem went number one in the draft. Hakeem was so good that nobody still today, nobody questions it. Back then it was a, a center's game. But two, the game has changed so much since then that it was unexpected for a guard to be a leader of the team. In today's game, if it, it, you consider whether it's worth picking a center so high because they can't lead a team 
like a wing player can. So I thought that was kind of fascinating that you had, you had these players that were uh, not believers, if you will, on the, the Michael Jordan bandwagon. Do you think Michael Jordan kind of ushered in that change as someone who kind of led at, at a guard position? Well, you, you would think that like with Magic mm. and with Larry Bird, it would kind of, you know, it would it would really take off. But, you know, you look at Magic's in his prime and the players he had when he got into the league and you look at Larry Bird with Mikel and Robert Parrish, it, it makes sense that the league was just so mm-hmm. focused on the big man. But definitely Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen had a big part to play in uh, wings leading the team to a championship. So, Adnan, uh, something came up in yesterday's documentary. Michael Jordan was playing golf with Danny Ainge before one of the playoff games. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? See, this is what I'm talking about. Michael Jordan is a psycho, and the players are idiots for, like, still playing, still playing, um, you know, golf with him before games. I mean, you knew Michael was going to give him the business. I want to go back to your draft comment for a second. Um, I, I, I agree with you that I, I do think Michael Jordan ushered in the era of guards. I just think it happened later. And here's why. When you, um, when you actually look at, for example, Steph Curry and when he got hot, you had a lot of players that started taking, you know, step back threes and, you know, 30, 35 footers. And that's where you got, you know, Trey Young, for example. He was kind of created in that Steph Curry mold. And that's why he was traded for Luka and the Hawks took him. Um, Michael Jordan did that for guards, where he was able to um, create other players like Kobe Bryant, right? Kobe looked up to Michael Jordan and yeah. you know, had these players. And then you got, you, you saw that era of, big guards who could take over the game, you know, in Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson to an extent, um, Grant Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm forgetting quite quite a few, um, but you, you always have like these players that basically like they take over for a while and then kids from ages, you know, 10 to 18 or 10 to 15 are like, I want to be Michael fucking Jordan. And Kobe Bryant was like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's going to be me. So, um, I don't know. That's what, I, that's what I think about eras. It's like there are players, like when Michael Jordan played, there was Hakeem, David Robinson, Shaq, Barkley, like, like Adele said. But it's the next few years after his prime is where you really see um, the roots of that, right? You see the yeah. Kobe's and the T-Macs and so on. Jerry Stackhouse, yeah, yeah. Michael Finley, like these players were all touted as like really great wingmen. Yeah, and everyone's trying to find the next Jordan. That's where the talk about Michael Finley came about and Grant Hill and Vince Carter. But early on, before MJ really mastered you know, the mid-range and his footwork, he was all about being a high flyer. And he talked a lot about how much he took away from Dr. J and how he looked up to Dr. J in his game. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm always fascinated with how the eras um, and the players kind of emulate their, their favorite uh, legends uh, as time goes on. So uh, I, I had brought up the Danny Ainge thing because in today's NBA, a lot of the old heads, they'll talk about, and including you, Adnan, because I've heard you say this, <laughs> they'll talk about how all oh, players are too buddy-buddy right now. But time and time again, we've heard stories about Michael Jordan hanging out with, with other players before games or, or going to dinner, um, you know, playing cards and, and things like that. I, I, was, I, I had no idea that Michael Jordan did that so often and so early on. Uh, so I thought it was awesome that they showed how he went golfing with Danny Ainge. Do you think he was doing it to get some info on the other team? I mean, what what, what is he going to get? Like, what, what is he going to get? I mean, I, uh, I mean, think about it, right? Like, you're you're not going to. Well, first of all, there's yeah. not much to give away at that point. You've played each other four times during the season. You're in the playoffs. You know exactly what the other team's running. It's not like the NFL or it's not like football where there's like. You know, there, there's plays that can be run and be a surprise. Pretty much you've seen everything their team can do and it just gets down to talent at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember, I don't know if this was Michael Jordan or Kobe, like these two kind of the stories behind them are so interchangeable where if, I don't know if it was like during the season or something, but one of them invited a player to come work out with them and worked out pretty much like all night long. And then the next day they had a game and like, the player that they had invited was exhausted, like lethargic. And then 
<laughs> Michael Jordan or Kobe, whoever it was, went on to score like forty points. So in like in my head, like that's what I would yeah. think was the purpose of these meetings. But you you never know. Like I was just as surprised as you were to kind of see that you know he hung out with and just played golf with someone he's competing with the day before the game. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean think like this happened in nineteen ninety three mm-hmm. with Charles Barkley. Like every a lot of this is a well known story where um Charles Barkley and Jordan hung out throughout yeah. the finals. Um and it came, you know, I think MJ probably was doing this on purpose. They were going out all the time before mm-hmm. the series started, during the series, they were playing golf. Um, and Michael probably was like, you know what, I've already won this thing because, you know, I, I know Chuck and I know that Charles Barkley is, is, you know, just wants to hang out and do this extracurricular stuff. And I'm already thinking about the game, but I'm just going to hang out with him. Mm-hmm. I think that's how Michael Jordan thinks. I think he's like, let me just try to get an edge here and let me figure that out. Like, let me go to these hotels or play golf and, you know, do these different things. And, uh, you know, then he gets to the game and Jordan is just like incredible. You know, he's just shutting everyone down in, in the Phoenix Sun series. He's hitting clutch shots. They're you know, beating a really good Suns team that, a lot of people thought the Suns would win because Barkley mm-hmm. was just so dominant uh, and was getting a lot of MVP buzz that year. So, um, you know, he definitely did this with a lot of players. And even Isaiah Thomas has, has said in interviews, like, yeah, Michael did this all the time. Yeah, co- co- Coach uh, Roy Williams said that, you know, Michael Jordan mm-hmm. knew when to turn it on. And and he was one of the only players that knew how to turn it on. So, um, hey, Akil, I'd love to kind of know what are your, your final takeaways from the documentary um, final night. takeaways man uh just obviously looking forward to the next eight episodes definitely wish there was more but i'm excited to kind of see like that progression of going against the bad boy pistons and how that kind of developed the bulls into the team that kind of dominated throughout the 90s so just kind of touch base on like all of those different aspects that kind of built the team into what it is that kind of led that dynasty yeah. so um Final note, I don't know if you guys know this, but huge shout out to Adam Silver because he was actually the reason behind why those tapes are still there and available for the documentary, which was pretty yeah. crazy, the story behind it. I think he was like the NBA um, advertising or he was the president of advertising at the time. And he kind of understood the importance of documenting that final season and led a lot of the discussions with Phil Jackson and the owners. So huge shout out to him. I'm sure he'll probably listen into the podcast later. So shout <laughs> yeah 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 big, big avid listener uh, yeah he was the head of nba entertainment and uh mm-hmm. when him and michael jordan talked about it michael jordan agreed to it because yeah. Adam silver said he could have the rights uh and they could have the rights so i thought that was pretty cool um and and to echo your, your previous point and what you said you know the one well, the first thing you mm-hmm. said how they went back and forth to kind of show you know the seeds and how um the 97 98 team got yeah. to where they you know where they are on that journey so um i don't know what, what are some of your takeaways from last night yeah so i mean i think it's just something i'm looking forward to across the next eight episodes i mean we still we haven't got to the michael jordan baseball years yet we haven't got to the flu game the double nickel at the at msg when he, you know a few games after he returned in 1995 the loss to the magic you know, in, in, in 95, I mean, there's so much good stuff. That's like, that I hope they cover. Yeah. The last shot, um, him deciding to come back for the wizards. I wonder if that's going to be there. There's just so much there. And, um, you know, I, I really thought they were only going to focus on that last year. Uh, I'm so happy that they're focusing on, you know, all of these really cool Mm -hmm. moments in the career of Michael Jordan and everyone that he's touched. Um, you know, so I'm just incredibly excited. Um, Adele, what about you? What are some things you're looking forward to? Yeah, I think so. You know, I I just from being a basketball fan, you know, we we uh, got to watch games when we were little, and there's so much I know about Michael Jordan from after he came back from from baseball. You know, post Space Jam, uh, <laughs> there's so much that we know. So it was, it was really nice to see um, from when he was drafted his rookie year and then his second year in the league and his in battling injuries it was so much that I just didn't know. And I, I, that's what I'm most excited about. I mean, yeah, I, I am looking forward to seeing, you know, his rivalry with Reggie Miller and, and then the Knicks and, um, you know, going back and forth with, with the Pistons and, 
the Lakers and, and the Celtics. Uh, that's going to be awesome. But it's really cool to see, see the seeds, if you will, you know, how he got there. Um, Akil, before we wrap up today, uh, you know, really, really want to thank you for your time. Um, any last um, thoughts? Last thoughts. And I was thinking about this as you mentioned this. I think it's so cool that I think Trey Young tweeted this out how after this documentary, you know, like he might have to move Michael Jordan up to his number one. Magic Johnson said the same about a lot of young players are going to realize why Michael Jordan was the GOAT. And I th- that's a huge takeaway from this documentary is a lot of us have kind of just been accustomed to being like Michael Jordan's probably one of the best players of all time. But most of this young generation might not know why. And I think this documentary is going to be a huge like yeah. eye-opener as to like what he did for the NBA, how he kind of globalized it, even before social yeah. media. And like he was just phenomenon of a star. And a lot of people are going to finally get to see that, you know. So that's pretty cool. And I'm really glad they're kind of yeah. doing it at, at this time when everyone's run out of stuff to watch. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, it's, it's very interesting time. Um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. You know, obviously this is crazy times we, we live in and um, special thanks to all of the healthcare uh, workers out there, doctors, nurses, and staff that are just going above and beyond. And then all the other employees that are still working to keep the economy afloat. Um, but, but to, to echo your point, Akil, like it, it's kind of, you know, natural to say that mm-hmm. Jordan is the GOAT. I'm really interested to see how the younger NBA fans uh, react to this documentary. And hopefully we can explore that over the next couple of weeks in the podcast um, where those who were born even after, uh, or those were that were, that were you know, too young to remember Michael Jordan, you know, born after. So um, really interested to see uh, where Jordan ranks on their list as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, both like I completely agree with, with both of you. Um, so, you know, with that, I think it's a good place to wrap. Akil, thank you so much for joining. Um, really enjoyed having you on and, um, you know, going to have to definitely have you on for future podcasts as well. So thank you. Thank you to all the listeners um, and the fans. Uh, please uh, rate us, subscribe, give us your feedback, um, hit us on Twitter and let us know where you disagree or agree with us. And um, we'll catch you guys next time. Don't forget, follow us at Twins Hoop on Instagram, at Twin Soup on Twitter, and on our official Facebook page. Thanks, everyone.